Well, I get to give a little bit of a blurb of our guest today, a little bit of an introduction. So Peter and his wife, Rebecca, they are uh, missionaries from East Africa since 1988. That's amazing. Some of you guys weren't even like thought about yet. Most of you weren't even thought about yet. So they have been committed to unreached people groups. Yes, through their ministry, Gospel Fire International. And what's been really cool and what I was reading is there's an incredible legacy of ministry, starting with your father, his father, and now including your daughter and son-in-law and little Valor, who's here too, uh, who I'm sure you'll get to meet, the super cutie rolling around in the back there. Uh, so yes, so Peter and Rebecca have three kids, and, uh, and they have been ministering for quite a while in East Africa, and they've been planting churches and preaching in some pretty dangerous places um, like northern Kenya or Uganda, South Sudan. And oh, and here is a very interesting fact. Peter is a pilot. Whoa, how cool. Well, would you welcome Peter and Rebecca? Rebecca, are you coming up too? Are you going to say hi? Sure. Yeah. Would you welcome them? right? <laughs> it's great to be here this morning and I just tell you there, there's nothing more exciting than serving the Lord on the mission field. So I hope the Lord puts a passion on your heart today to serve in missions. Woo! Thank you. Yeah, Becky and I, we went out in 88. I was just newly ordained. I'd also been in a Bible college like this one, and in, but in Germany, and uh, was two years in our church. And then right after the ordination, the mission wanted uh, us to go out. So we were, Becky was the youngest missionary on the field with 21 years old. And uh, so that's how we started. And in 88, yeah, we started and we grew into full-time evangelism. And there's a small promo that we'd like to just show you, if we could put that one on. And then you see how the work developed. I, want, I feel the Lord wants me to encourage you today. And I want to just use the same words from William Carey. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Amen? Okay. So the first thing when we came to Africa was to learn how to fly. Becky had to, uh, she learned Swahili. I grew up in Africa. With this mean machine, we drive into really difficult places and we set up gospel crusades. among the Turkana and the Toposa and the many unreached tribes.
and to really reach the young people we have we start with soccer and they play in the morning and in the afternoon we have the open air meeting and soccer is the way to go This is in northern Uganda in one of the refugee camps. God always sends us into the hardship places. But the presence of the Lord is powerful, whether it's in Canada or in Africa. He's everywhere. so many needs and Jesus does miracles that's the exciting thing about serving him to do it again, I would do it again. I tell you, missions is exciting. And especially if you're on the front, front line and you're seeing what Jesus does. Evangelism is my heart and working with national pastors and trying to reach and become one voice. We work with different denominations and it's really powerful to see the miracles of God. I could I could be here all day talking about the miracles and what Jesus does. Yeah. So, I, um, as of about, exactly about two years ago, we've been trying to reach an unreached tribe. Let's see if this thing works. Um, uh, there we go. And we work right in this, in this region here. Uh, this is where we live. And we work right in here. And that's why we have to fly. I, I fly usually this stretch. This is the area where the, of my operations and in here. But in here we, uh, we don't have an airstrip yet. <clears throat> no, let's see. Okay. So I'm going to take you guys just into South Sudan just for a, for a moment. And we're going to take this little uh, Cessna 182. It takes us about two hours to get to the border, and then we'll need another four hours to cross through no man's land, about 15 minutes, uh, 15 kilometers, and then off into really deep into the bush. And these are an unreached people group that have never heard the gospel before. And so as we, as we head, we're going to be heading exactly north. And if you don't and then when you get there, you have to go by road. So this is the main machine we use to get in there. And we try to reach these people, and this, this is how they live. There are no permanent buildings. This is it. And there's no health care. There's no education. The people just live like that, and they've never heard about Jesus. Yes, in the year 2019, we still have many, many tribes like this. Just north of, of here, about another 100 kilometers, there's another unreached tribe that is completely untouched called the Jia people. And who's going to go? 
when the Kenyans don't, uh, sometimes the Kenyan churches are so concentrated on their own thing, and they're just turning around in circles like many churches all over the world, and they're not that mission-minded. And these are the toposa. And you know the, the, the let's say, uh, the treasure of South Sudan is its people. They have lots of, of good resources, natural resources, but the people, that is, that is what God is most interested in. And they all have a living soul. They have feelings like we do. They drink water like we do. Uh, they might eat a little different than us, but they are very open to the gospel. And this is how they live. They live in, in these, in these uh, tugels, and they need Jesus. And for about, uh, about two years ago, we sent in two Kenyans, Kenyan men that camped among them for about three months and tried to learn language and were trying to get to know them because sometimes our skin is a little bit in the way. When people see us, first of all, if they've never seen a white person before, it's really a challenge for them. So uh, they see, and then many times they see dollar signs all over our skin. And so it's sometimes good to work with the Kenyans and we're, we facilitate them and help them to go. And so they go into this region and imagine every night they go to bed with such a star, starry sky. There are no, no artificial lights. There's nothing. This place is dark. But the sky is awesome. And imagine these people know there is a God. You can't tell a tribal person there's no God. They know it. And as, as we all study also in the book of Romans... God has already put in the human heart that concept that he is there. And so these people are hungering after God. Sometimes the, the, the elders will go up into the hills and they will sacrifice. Interesting that they sacrifice. Where did they learn that from? It goes all the way back to God showing Adam how to sacrifice. And then they will sacrifice and they'll try to get in contact with God. So they'll drink and they'll get into, into drugs. They'll take drugs, in fact. And they'll try to get into a trance to try to connect with, with God. Where God is there. He must. How can we connect with him? And all they need is the gospel. That's the, that's the thing that would, will, will change them. So Josh and I, Josh is with me here too. He's going to say a few things too. He'll tell you a little bit about his experience. And we, we have penetrated into this area and we're trying to encourage these toposas. <clears throat> um, let's uh, go to the next slide. And every night since they've heard the gospel, they have a fireplace. It's like a campfire, a bigger campfire. And they will sit around it. Usually they're around 500 people from the village. And they'll be singing and dancing. And especially if they have received the gospel now, you know, and they get it through an MP3 player. We use today's technology with, uh, with uh, solar powered. And, and it has the, a chip in the Toposa language. And they listen to the New Testament in their language night and day. But night only as long as the battery holds out. 
So then they'll, they'll be sharing. Two people will listen the whole day and then they'll be sharing and sharing what they heard. And so the gospel, that's how the word of God is getting into this tribe because they cannot read and they cannot write. And then they're there and they're so excited. Next slide. Maybe this next slide you could press on the back. They sing and sing, and they are so excited. This was the best thing they could have received. And many times they ask us, why didn't you guys come earlier? Why did, why did you take so long? We have Our parents have died, and grandparents, and they all did not know this. And so we also put in a well. Water is so precious to them. And, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, let's go to the next slide. And so in this little, deep in the bush there, we got two acres of land and we have fenced it in. And we put in two missionary homes. And you can soon, yeah, and uh, for, for our Kenyans to stay. And they have water there. And every twice... Uh, or in a week, two days in a week, we'll have discipleship training. So people from all the fireplaces, they're now 25, and they keep coming in. So you have about 50 people coming in, and they get discipled, and they go, and they're going to do the same and start getting it out further. And we want to see a discipleship movement really start up, and, and it's really powerful to see that. And then we got stuck. Our car... Uh, God, well, we were deep in the bush, and I'll tell you one thing. Never drive into the bush with an automatic. Because the battery gave up, and you can't push an automatic. So you're stuck. So we were 16 kilometers away from our little station, and we were visiting somebody's fireplace uh, fellowships, and uh, the car didn't start anymore, and it was two, uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and we were wanting to start it, and it, I tried everything. You think all kinds of ideas. I even got rope, tied it around the crankshaft, and pulled the thing, you know, trying to get it to start. and Impossible. Finally, the Toposa said, what do you need? We said, well, 16 kilometers, we have a battery, a solar, power, a solar battery. That could start it up. Then they said, no problem. Our women will go. And they sent five women, and they gave off their babies. They were still breastfeeding them. And then they started. And I tell you, they are stronger. Well, I, I don't know if I can say they're stronger than the men, but they are extremely strong. And these ladies walked. And Josh, who is with me, he said, wow, the way they're going, they'll be here by 8 o'clock tonight. And it's 16 kilometers there. And 16 kilometers back, carrying a heavy battery. And the way they carry it on their heads without even holding it. And so one, they'll do a couple kilometers, hand over the battery to the next one, next one, next one, next one. And that's how they did it. And, and while they were gone, the people came up to us and were begging us, please, would you not baptize us? We want to be baptized. And I asked Mark, who is our 
Kenyan missionary who speaks five languages. Julius speaks seven languages. I asked him, I asked him, did you ever talk about baptism? Uh, not really. We shortly talked, just share, said about it. But uh, these, these people have picked this out of the New Testament. So we said, okay. Do you have water? Yeah, we have water. So we first dug a, a, like a, a bathtub uh, with our hands. And we, yeah, made some space. And then I was, I was standing in the, and it sunk into the mud about that deep. And you don't know what is swimming in that water. And Mark was on the other side. And we called the people in. And we, it was late. It was about 4.30 in the evening. And we baptized 41 people. And by the time they were, uh, we were at number 41, it was getting dark. And so we had to stop. And I asked, how many people do we still have? Well, we still have 250. I said, oh, no, I mean, we're not going to do 250. And then Mark said, you think that's something? All these villages, everybody wants to be baptized. Yeah. And how, how many would that be? 1,800. So I said, oh, boy, I think we're going to have to push this to another day. But you see, there's a hunger, and there is so, there's a revival. People are hungering for the gospel, and it's such an honor to be able to bring the gospel to these people. And they're ready to go into this water. They don't care how dirty it is. I wonder how many of us would want to be baptized in that water. You, you would leave brown. Some of us want to be brown, but uh, yeah, not like that. But they did not care. They, and then we got so thirsty. You know, we had not had enough supplies. We didn't bring water, enough water, because we were, we didn't expect the car to break down on us. And so we, we started drinking their milk. And uh, it, didn't, it didn't bother us too much. These are the houses uh, that we have built for them. And it's really nice for them to be able to, for the missionaries now to have a little place. Uh, and, and let's go to the next one. And these are the Toposa. And they're still asking us every now and then, why didn't you come earlier? Why didn't you come earlier? I want to ask Josh to come. And that he picks up from now. Just let these photos roll in the background as I share. <clears throat> Just listen to the words of the song we were singing earlier. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And um, I grew up in uh, the unreached world. I grew up in the Himalayas um, and then um, moved to Kenya, now working with the unreached people in Sudan. And there's so often that you feel like you're, you're surrounded. Um, in the Himalayas, it's, it's by the law, it's by the government. It's, it's illegal to do uh, missions. It's illegal to be a Christian those kind of challenges here it's completely the people are hungry it's so different people are passionate they're they're so excited to hear about the holy spirit and the gospel but there's so many new challenges you're surrounded by new problems and um just a few three two months ago maybe a month ago i was um, heading up to sudan and uh unfortunately peter wasn't around so i didn't have a nice plane to go in so i had to drive so it took uh, three or four days to drive um really rough roads we had a, an accident in the middle of the night and then when we got to the border, I thought it'd be a simple crossing. You know, last time uh, we went, or the few times before that we'd been, there'd been shootings, there'd been killings, the border had been closed, we'd been stuck at the border. But this time everything was good. You know, we thought, okay, smooth sailing, we'll just get through this 
this 20, 15, 20 kilometer stretch of no man's land. There's people patrolling it. They have the army just shooting bullets into the bushes just in case somebody's there. Um, we thought we'll get through. So we, we pushed through and then we found out actually it's the rainy season. Um, and now all the roads are flooded. I mean, we're talking one or two meters underwater. Um, so now that there's no political issues, there's no sort of safety issues, we're stuck because the roads are flooded. Trying to, we're trying to push through, and we're delayed about about a week trying to get through, waiting for the water to come down in the rivers. Uh, we find a, a stretch of two days where it didn't rain, so we, we push through, and um, you could loop it again if you want. <coughs> it, it, keep, you know, it keeps going. Um, and there's a video we'll play at the end if we get time, uh, or I can show you at the back. Um, but as, as, this, um, as we're pushing through, we're going through deep rivers. We're, we're getting out of the car, and I haven't done much four-wheel driving, so this is a new experience for me. It's a real faith test um, because you're so isolated. You're so far from help. There's no phone signal. There's no sat phone. I can't call for help if something gets stuck. And I don't know how deep into a river or how fast moving a river can be for the truck to cross. So you wade out, and you're sort of waist-deep, and you're like, mm, maybe. Um, and they're quite big rivers. You know, some are small, some are, some are big. And uh, we, we get stuck. We get stuck in the mud. Uh, we were stuck there for like eight hours, and slowly people come out of the bushes and have to help push. And this is in no man's land. Um, and you just have that, that sense of, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded, but uh, actually, you know, you're safe. And you, you, have that, you have that peace. So despite how difficult it is, whatever the, the problems are, uh, having that, that assurance um, makes, it, makes it an adventure, a fun adventure, and, and you know, the worries kind of go away. Um, we get to the village eventually after crossing all these rivers and getting stuck in the mud and you know, having this real adventure. And uh, the people are out about five kilometers out because we've been there two, three times before. The missionaries are doing such a great work. And they, they lick the rain coming because they've been praying for rain. They've been going through a drought. And the missionaries said, okay, if we pray for rain, rain will come. So they prayed and then it rained that very same day. And it started this huge uh, sort of monsoon kind of rain. So they came out five kilometers. They were so excited to be with us. They met us on the road, and they, they walked with us slowly back. We were in the car driving really slowly. Um, and this is how they kind of do discipleship. It's just out in the bush. Um, they've got these Bible stories printed on tablecloths. So they just go through the Bible stories on tablecloths. Really simple stuff. And uh, there's, it, there's, there's a lot to share. But um, in the evenings, you go into your, your sleeping bag. And um, I just had a sense to, to shake my sleeping bag out. I shaked it out, and the scorpion came out. Middle of the night, I woke up again, and there was a little scorpion crawling up my bed. I was like, "Oh no, sleep in a hammock." Um, and uh, one of the stories I was sharing last night, one of the guys, he was in Sudan um, a couple years ago, and he was he was uh, sleeping next to one of his friends, just out under the stars. It's so beautiful. So you want to want to do that if you can. And then he felt this guy was snuggling up to him a little bit too much, and I sort of felt his leg go, and he's like, oh, "This is a bit weird. I'm a bit uncomfortable." So he kind of pushed him off, pushed him off. Eventually, he rolls over to tell this guy off for, like, snuggling up too much. And he finds this giant python that's s- slipped in between them. And it uh, wasn't his friend at all. So, yeah. They're, they're, they're fun stories. Scary stories. But, um, yeah. God really keeps us safe in all of this. And we're really trusting in him. And, and, it, and like Peter said, it's these people that are sharing what's on their heart and what the Holy Spirit's doing in their life. They're going from village to village, and we can't keep up um, just because of how remote it is. Everything is walking. We're trying to get, like, some little dirt bikes or motorbikes or cycles out there. And uh, every day they're sharing as they, they milk the cows, they, they graze the, the goats. And um, 
Yes, the Holy Spirit is just doing this work, and this, this fire is just spreading. And we're hearing about these new fellowships, these new meetings that are meeting every night. And we don't know what they're sharing because, you know, we haven't even been there. So um, we're just trying to catch up and keep up with what the Holy Spirit's doing. Um, but, yeah, so much to share. Come and come grab us at the end. Uh, it's just a short story. So, yeah. And we'll show a video at the end if we can for some of the trip. Okay. All right, let's go to the next slide. Good. Yeah, I want to um, encourage you. What time do we have? Okay, good. <laughs> I want to um, in- encourage you because you have so many unreached peoples coming into your country here in Canada. And there's so many still out there. Imagine, according to the Joshua Project, there are over, still there are over, uh, over 7,000 unreached people groups and they are defined as anything below two percent evangelical anything below two percent evangelical because salvation the salvation message needs to be heard and these tribes have never heard and we know the gospel is very simple i just in five words love god loves Evil world, we're living in an evil world. That's, you don't need to uh, convince anybody uh, the opposite. And what do you think is the third? Rescue. God started the greatest rescue of operation ever. And even let his son bleed to death so that he could save mankind. What do you think is number four? Choice. Everybody needs to have a choice. I mean, they can choose for him or against him, but they need to have that opportunity to have choice. That's why we go into these areas, because they need to have that choice. And then number five, restoration. He restoreth my soul. If somebody comes to Christ, we all know the lives change. Their lives get restored. Many times, broken people, when they find Christ, things change. And it turns for the better because Jesus heals. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, the Bible says in uh, 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5, we are to preach the gospel not just with words, but also with power. And Paul wrote, our gospel came not to you, came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. In the years that I've been allowed to serve the Lord in evangelism, I have seen the power of God. And I want to encourage you to think big. Think out of your square. Think out of, yeah, what you think ministry should be. But just let the Holy Spirit be able to take you further. Um, expect great things from God. And let, and try to, and don't take no for an answer. So many people will say it's not possible, you'll not manage. This is not for the sake of unreached people groups. Think out of the box. Go far. Let the Lord use you. 
He wants to use us. And I tell you, that's when, when, that's when serving Jesus gets exciting. When you risk. When you risk greatly. For example, we, we were to uh, do a crusade in an Islamic town. Everybody told us it's not possible. There are 96% Muslims everywhere. There are mosques. You will not manage. They will stone you. So we, we drove up with our truck, and just to go up there with all of our, with our vehicles was quite a challenge because uh, there was so much shooting on the road. And the truck in front of us had, 11, had 12 bullet holes go through the window. The driver died, and the Lord protected us, and we drove on and came to this town called Moyale along the Ethiopian border. We had to first wait because Ramadan was on and it's not so wise to set up an evangelistic platform on, in the middle of the marketplace um, in, in, in a, on the Ramadan week. So we, we parked it off at a secondary school and we waited. And then as soon as Ramadan was over, we visited the police boss and he was very positive and he said, yes, the Muslims have had their time, now it's your time. Okay. And he, and he gave us his phone number. He said, if you have any problems, just call me. And that's the beauty about Africa, especially uh, Kenya, Uganda, and these nations where the uh, freedom of religion is anchored in their constitution. So you, you are allowed to do these meetings. You're allowed to get a permit. You will get a permit if usually unless the, unless, yeah, it can also be that you don't. But <laughs> well, we got a permit. So we went there, we, we set up our truck and we put up the platform and we purposely didn't put up the, the sign that says Jesus heals broken hearts because that would be too provocative. So we just set up the platform and they asked us, um, is this a mobile phone company? We said, yeah, something like that. Come tomorrow. It has to do with communication and rela with relationship. You come. So they came. The market was full of people. And when you speak to Muslims, you also have to change the way you, you address them, the way you speak to them. You can't shout and scream. You have to talk stories, talk, go from the creation story, have uh, their halftone song in between. Another one, you know, halftone song in between. But, of course, our texts, our lyrics... And then we continued on. And by the time it came to the weekend, they were ready to receive the gospel. But on Friday, the rocks flew. So, so the stones were flying. And we had set up our trucks in a way that you have to loop the stones. You can't hit uh, the speaker dead on. You have to loop it. And I had time still to dodge while speaking. And because they won't throw it from the front because there's too many people. There are thousands of people. It's like a soccer field full of people. And left and right, we had set up our trucks. And, our, and then uh, from behind, they couldn't get, a, get at me because there was our canvas roof. So the rocks were hitting the roof. And I continued. And the, you have to continue. Don't dare stop. The moment you stop, the people will run away. You've lost them. So you continue, continue, 
And the soon the, poli- uh, the police guys came in because we gave them a call and 15 people were arrested. But if 15 people are throwing stones, 3,000 are ready to receive the gospel. And I want to encourage you, risk greatly and you will see the hand of God. Our vehicles were driving back and we got hammered with rocks. But interesting enough... We didn't have a dent or a scratch in our cars. That's what God does. And even if he doesn't, it's all right. But we are preaching the gospel. And, and then when it came to the end of the meeting, we had um, so many people had, had experienced miracles. Sometimes I almost get the impression God loves the Muslims more than he loves us. Because so many miracles, blind eyes, deaf ears, the crippled guys holding their crutches and things. And you're just wondering. And that's what happens when you risk greatly for the Lord. And it came Sunday night and it came time to close the meeting. And it had not rained for about one and a half years. The place was dry even for us to just get water into our guest house was an issue there was only one water hole in the in the town and you saw the cows you know the the carcasses lying around and it looked almost like with the lion king you know the other side it looked so it looked so dead everything looked so bad but then at the end of the meeting i said everybody stand up lift up your hands we're gonna ask jesus to send rain Now that moment, my intellect told me, now you've ruined your crusade. But you know what? Let God take care. It's his meeting. It's his thing. So I I said to them, okay, everybody lift up your hands. And now the Muslims are lifting their hands. And they're saying, they're praying after me, Lord Jesus, please send rain. Forgive us. Come into our lives. And then we closed the meeting and we went home. Our team, well, we went back to our guest house and our team were taking down the speakers. It was Sunday night. And they worked, they usually work almost all all night. And by the time it came four o'clock in the morning, I heard while I was lying in my bed, I heard on the on the corrugated sheets, I heard rain. We had not seen a cloud in, in, in months and months and months. And there was no cloud when we were there. But now it started to rain. I jumped out of bed. I opened the curtains. I said, Becky, look out here. You know, I couldn't believe it. You know, that's the thing when you serve the Lord and he does these miracles. It's It's awesome. And so it rained, and it rained, and it rained. And we went, I went to see the police boss to say thank you for his protection and for his help. Because it was now Monday morning, and it was pouring rain when I got into his office. And he said, Evangelist, have you seen the rain? This has not rained for so long, and all this and that. And then he told me how he got healed 
how he was taking care of his soldiers during the meeting and as I had called people to come forward for prayer and whoever needs a miracle come forward and he said to me if you believe that Jesus only heals in the front you're wrong I was standing in the back and (laughs) wow so it was so exciting and that rain continued and continued for three full weeks And the Muslims were saying, these Christians have powerful prayers. (laughs) Praise God. But you know, I believe if we're going to reach the still 7,000 unreached people groups, we we have to work with the Holy Spirit and do signs and wonders. Amen. Let's go to the next slide just shortly. There's another verse. I will not venture to speak about anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders and through the power of the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. This thing with signs and wonders is not just something that, yeah, that you read in the book of Acts or in, you know, or that Jesus did. And it's, you can't say, well, the apostles that died, that just ceased after the apostles left. No, all through church history, it's lined up with signs and wonders. And we can see him and we can experience him in our lives today in a very, very powerful way. Uh, next slide. Yeah. So expect great things from God Attempt great things for God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we are not just studying theology and, and later we'll be absorbed in some institution and, some, and just do their actions. But Lord, I pray that in all of our lives, in everything, that we will develop a passion, not only for the people around us that already have the gospel, but especially for those who have not had any access to it. I pray that you use us instrumentally, each one of us, and that you prepare us now as we get ready for, for when the rubber meets the road. Lord, I thank you for each one of us and that you have put a call into our hearts. And help us to think out of our box and to risk and to go forward. And even if we, if we have an experience that is maybe not that positive, even though we might get kicked off the horse once, may we not s- cease riding horses at all. Maybe have that same attitude. Even if things do not work out, I will still serve the Lord and I will still stay passionate and I will love him with all of my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Go with us now as we go for lunch. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, as you go out, as, as you go out, we have some uh, newsletters and some little brochures. You can just help yourself. Take it. Please take it. Otherwise, I'm going to have to take it with me and fly it back to where I came from. Thank you. God bless you all.